you see Brad and KJ's face, I'm sure. Uh, they've um, pray for KJ. By the way, he's he's been running fever. I've uh, been sick. Pray for Brad. He's probably right now uh, preaching the beginning of a revival down in Irwin. Um, so you're stuck with uh, what you see is what you get. You know. It's my privilege, though, right now to uh, join or, or to welcome, and I want you to join me in welcoming Roy and uh, Margaret Lytle. Ted was able to, Ted McKinney, I know, some of you know him, was able to welcome him in the first service. Um, Ted has a much stronger connection. He knows uh, Roy for well over 30 years, has worked with Roy in the jungles of Suriname. Um, I just wrote down a few things that I heard Ted say uh, in his introduction. Uh, there's three uh, tribes that they've worked with over the years in Suriname, Wyana, Trio, and Akudios. And uh, they've been there, like I said, more than 30 years. Uh, Ted, he was there over 30 years ago, uh, also right out of college, and was able to work with, with them as well. Um, many of the Indians there have come out of spiritual darkness they're killers uh, by culture, murderers, and they've come into the light of Christ. And, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ there in Suriname because of Roy and uh, Margaret's work. Uh, currently, Roy is working on con- uh, finishing up a translation of the Old Testament into the Wyana language, and Margaret, is, uh, alongside of him, is developing a uh, concordance as well. So if you will... Uh, welcome, Roy, uh, to our pulpit today. Thank you. Thank you, Stan. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here with you once again. It's been a couple of years since my wife Margaret and I were here the last time. We're glad to see some of you again for the first time, uh, again, and to see some of you for the first time. It's good to be with you. And I just want to say thank you very much for your support. Praying for us. I've met people in the lobby. I introduced myself to them. So, oh, we're praying for you. Or they've seen our picture up there on the wall and they're praying for us. God works through the prayers of His people and we need your prayers. I just thank you for praying for us and being a part of our ministry. You help us financially. <clears throat> I noticed that you've increased your financial support to us just recently. And of course, that's very welcome. Very, uh, we're very thankful for that. And we just want to I say we appreciate so much you being a part, joining us in the work that we're doing down there in Suriname. I want to show you just a five-minute video of a little bit of the work so that you can see for yourself what they look like, hear a little bit of how they sound, and then I'll be right back and uh, talk a little bit more about them. So, are we ready? Everyone's invited to Suriname, by the way. Come down and help us. We need help. Suriname, with its multiplicity of cultures and languages, is located on the northeast tip of South America. While small in population, close to 500,000, Suriname is big in diversity. A beautiful country and a beautiful people, mostly from the countries of Asia, Europe, China, and India. Eighty percent of Suriname is dense tropical rainforest. 
We fly to the different villages in a small airplane capable of landing on the short grass airstrips. Or you can travel by dugout canoe. The variety of animals is seemingly unending as you travel through the jungles of Suriname. This is where Margaret and I have been privileged to live and to minister among the Wayana, the Trio, the Akurio, the Waiwai, the Wapashana, and the Ketuena Indians who live deep in these jungles. Our ministry has been that of preparing Bible materials in the heart language of the Indians. Living among them to demonstrate the love of God in everyday life, and in helping them to be able to reach out to their own people and to other tribes living in Suriname, in Brazil, in French Guyana, and in Guyana. Doing all of the ministry. 
Now the Indians themselves are being used aboard to teach, to preach, to do the work of the ministry in their own villages and amongst other tribes. So the word goes on. Men and women, boys and girls, are coming to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. They are learning that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, and that they can have eternal life by receiving Him as their personal Savior. We're grateful to the Lord for what He's doing amongst the tribes there in the jungles of Suriname. Uh, I just talked to some Indians this past Saturday, telephone, I got a call from one of them in Suriname. They have been down in Brazil. The church in this, this particular church that you saw the people talking about here, this conference that was being held. By the way, did anybody take 37 days to get here this morning? Can you imagine going 37 days through the jungle so that they could get to a conference for four days and then have to turn around and go 37 days to get back home again? God's Word is impacting them, as it says here, and God's Word is changing their lives. But just like they said here, as they read God's Word, they read where it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They read where it says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when they read these verses, they believe that God means what He says. We are to take the gospel to tell other people. Not too long ago, when I was in this particular village, the people came to me, some of the people, as we were talking, they said, God sent you to tell us about Him. Now we know who He is, and we know what He's done for us. God sent you to tell us about Him. Now we believe He would have us to go and tell others about Him. And I said in my heart, yes, that's right, that's what it's all about. If you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior today, it's because somebody told you. God sent somebody to tell you who Jesus is, what He's done for you, how He loves you, how He will forgive you of your sin, how He will cleanse you, how He will change your life and give you motive and purpose and, and the joy in living today. He sent somebody to tell you. Now you know that. And now He wants you to go and tell other people. And so... They've heard about other tribes down in Brazil. Suriname sits right on top of Brazil. Suriname's a very small country, maybe 500,000 people in the whole country. But we sit right on top of Brazil. And, of course, Brazil is very large. It's much, it's larger than the U.S. And uh, there are all kinds of tribes down there. There are still, today, 2009, there are tribes in North Brazil that have not yet been found. There are people back there in the jungles that have nobody has gone to them to share the Lord Jesus Christ. But these people know of some of those tribes, and as they travel through the jungle, going down to visit tribes that they know about, they come across signs that show them that somebody has been there, and so they go looking for these people, and they found some. And they, they came across a group of people called the Sowell tribe. They live in North Brazil. They wear no clothing. They have no, no kind of covering at all. Very primitive people. They still use earthen clay pots. They sleep in very short hammocks. They stack them up. The, the man is on the bottom. The wife puts her hammock up atop his hammock. And then the kids have their hammock up above there. They're in the loft or whatever up there. And, uh, they, you know, they, they're just very primitive people. 
But they're people. And because they're people, they need to hear the good news of the gospel. They need to hear that the Lord Jesus died for them. And so these Indians have gone down to find them, to contact them, and they just got back. And they came into the city to share their story with some of the churches in the city. And while they were in the city, one of the men there gave me a call and put them on the telephone, and I was able to talk to them. And they're telling me about this contact that they just made. It was uh, it was rather touchy, very sensitive in the beginning. The, the Sowell people uh, were a little bit suspicious. They weren't even sure these were people that were standing before them, talking about the, 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 the trio Indians that you saw up here that went down to them. They thought they might be spirits or something. And they had their bows and arrows ready. Uh, any suspicious move, they were ready to attack them. But uh, the chief of the tribe told his men to put the bows and arrows down. And after the people had an opportunity to touch them, feel their skin, see that they were people just like them, then they accepted them into their village. They said there was about a hundred of them in four different villages close by. And uh, they were very interested in hearing the Word of God. They loved to hear the trio sing the, the songs of the church. They want to be taught God's Word. And so they've asked the people to come and stay with them. So those men left the, these people, went, came back to Suriname, and now they're making preparations to go back again in August. This time they'll take their wives with them so that they can stay for a longer period of time to, to um, just be a witness before those people, to live the, the Christian life before them so that they can see Christ in them and be drawn to the Lord Jesus as they teach God's Word. These are people that have not heard the Word of God. They, they, they've never heard the name of Jesus. And there's others like them down there. I've had opportunity of going in and looking for some of these people that have not been contacted. We call them, we call them, um, because we didn't know who they were. And Wayarekule is what the Indians call them, just simply meant savages. But once we found them, we found out what their name was, and their name are the Akurio. And uh, we made contact. We were looking for this group. Uh, the jungle is a huge place. When we first started looking for them, we got in the airplane and just flew back and forth across the jungle looking for some signs that somebody was there. We were looking for a clearing in the, in the jungle where they might have made their gardens. Or we were looking for huts that they might be living in. Or we were looking for smoke from their fires. And we saw none of that as we were flying back and forth in grid patterns for hours down there in the jungles. It's a huge jungle. The only way you could find anybody, if anybody was there, is to get down on the floor of the jungle and just walk it out. And as you start walking, you'll see if there's anybody there. You cannot live in the jungle without leaving signs. If they, uh, if they kill a pig, they eat the pig, then they have uh, bones left. And they usually throw the bones in one place, or sometimes they'll take the skulls of the animals that they've killed, whether it's pig or deer or monkey or whatever, alligator, they will put those skulls on a piece of vine and hang it from one tree to another tree, just kind of like a trophy rack or something. And uh, so as you're going through the jungles, you're just looking for some sign that somebody is there. And uh, it took years just walking through the jungles. We'd go down, and for six weeks we'd just walk through the jungles. We'd go for a while, and we'd send two Indians this way and two Indians this way for an hour. Just walk for an hour and then come back. And what did you see? Nothing. 
Well, while they were walking, we went a little bit further and sent two this way and two that way. And then finally in the evening, we all gathered together. No, we didn't see anything. So after six weeks, we'd come back to our village. We'd continue the ministry there in, in the village where we were. And then six months later, we would go again, a little bit to the right, do the same thing. Then the next time, go a little bit to the south. And so we were looking for them for years. But on one of those expeditions, our paths crossed. God allowed us to find them which is like finding a needle in a haystack in the jungle. God allowed us to, to cross their trail. We made contact with them. And there were only about ten people in this group. And so I gathered them together. I'm sorry, there's about twelve people. We gathered them together. And that very first night after we had made our huts to get out of the rain and everything, gathered them together and I started teaching them from God's Word. I opened up God's Word to John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, Jesus said, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you shall be also. And you'll remember in verse 6, the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I was, I was sharing this passage with these Stone Age Indians. And uh, I kind of took an illustration from the jungle. I told them, you know, there's all kind of trails in the jungle. There's a trail that leads up the mountain uh, where you go to shoot the black spider monkeys that you love to eat so much. They're up in the high trees up on the mountains. There's a trail that leads down to the creek. And down in that creek is where they get their large fish that they love to eat. They call them ayumala. Beautiful fish to eat. And there's a trail that goes down to that creek. There's a trail that goes over to where they get a certain wood to make their bows. And where there may be arrow cane, where they, where they get the, the, the materials that they make their arrows. There's trails all throughout the jungle, depending on where you're wanting to go. But I said to them, there's only one trail that leads us to the one who created us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only trail that will take us to God, that will take us to heaven, that will take us to our Maker. And so I'm trying to explain this to them. But as I'm sharing God's Word with them, I can see, I recognize it's just going over their head. They, they don't have a clue what I'm talking about, this one trail that goes up into the sky. How does a trail go up into the sky? It just didn't register with them. So we went to bed that night, and the next day we got up, and the Indians were going about their business. One of the Akurio Indians was going to go hunt these black spider monkeys. And so he grabbed his bows, and he started off. And one of the trio Indians that came with me, he went with him. The Akurio Indian, the Stone Age Indian, had bows and arrows. The trio Indian that came with me, he had a shotgun. And so, so you know, when they found the monkeys, which they did, they're plentiful back there, they found the monkeys... Boom! He just shot him. The monkey fell on the ground. He went over and he picked up that monkey and he turned and he gave it to that Akudio Indian. This Akudio had never seen anything like this. You shoot your own meat. You carry your own meat. You, 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 you take care of yourself. It's man for himself. Every man for himself. And so he was really taken aback when he saw this Indian give him the black spider monkey. One of the Indians was going over to get this wood that they use for making their bows. And uh, so he picked up his paraphernalia and went on, and one of the trio Indians went with him. This Akudio Stone Age Indian 
What he had was the lower jawbone of a wild pig, uh, the tusk. And they used that for scraping across the wood to, to shape it, to get it the right weight and the right shape. And it just takes forever, scraping and scraping and scraping. But the trio Indian that had gone with him had a steel machete. And so he went over and hacked down this little thing there, and he, he had a whittle, 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 and hacked, 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 you know. And it was just very soon he had this bow shaped. And he turned and he gave it to this Stone Age Acudio Indian. I'd never seen that before. You make your own bows. You do your own things. He'd never seen anybody do anything like that. One of the Stone Age Indians was going to get honey. They love honey. That's their source of sugar. And so they, he was going to get honey. One of the trios went with him. This Stone Age Indian had a stone axe. It was a stone that he'd taken out of a creek. Water had been flowing over it. He had rubbed it against other rocks to make some kind of a blade for that, a sharpness. And uh, they just have to pound and pound and crush and pound with his stone axe. But the trio Indian that went with him, he had a steel axe, a sharp blade on that thing. And he just had a couple of chops, and he was able to pull out this huge honeycomb, just dripping with honey. And he turned and he gave it to this acurio. They'd never seen that before. They'd never experienced that before. They came back to the camp. Everybody gathered and that night I gathered them all together and I started teaching the same message all over again, the same word. There's many trails through the jungle, but there's one trail that takes us to our Master. And over a period of days, as they were hearing God's Word with their ears, they were seeing it being lived out in the lives of the people that had gone with me. And together, God was using their ears to hear. They were, he was using their eyes so that they could see and it began to come together and to begin to make sense. And today, those Stone Age Indians, having never heard the name of Jesus, heard it, believed it, and received it, and their lives have been changed. And they're not killing like they used to kill. Their lives have been impacted, and now they're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. So these Indians that just came back from Brazil were telling me all about this contact, and uh, they want them to come back and live with them. So they came back to get their wives. That's the only reason they came back. And in August, they're going to be going back down again and live with them on a longer, more permanent basis so that they can model the life of the Lord Jesus before these people so that they will have the opportunity of hearing about the Lord Jesus. I want to thank you for being a part of that. You have helped us that we could go and be with them so that they could see Christ in us. And now that they've seen Christ in us, they have received Christ and now they are being used to reflect the glory of Christ to other people. And this is God's plan. This is what God has for each one of us. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I want you to see briefly three things this morning. I want you to see God's will. I want you to see God's work. And I want you to see God's way. God's will. God's work. God's way. What is God's will? What is God's will for you? What is God's will for us as a church? The Lord Jesus was going with His disciples from village to village teaching people. Nobody's ever seen God at any time, John chapter 1 tells us. Save the Son who is with the Father. And the Son has come, the Lord Jesus has come to reveal God to us. You want to know what God is like? No man's ever seen God. How can we know what God is like? We've never seen Him. If you want to know what God is like, you look at the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus came to reveal the Father. And so as we study God's Word and we see the Lord Jesus, how He lived, what He did, what He said, and all of those things, He is teaching us about the Father. He is showing us what the Father is like. Now, what we're here in, in John chapter 4, but let me just interject this. First John chapter 2, verse 6. John there says, He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Do you know what it means to be born again by the Spirit of God? Have you received the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? Did you come to that point in your life when you recognized that you were a sinner, undone, nothing that you could do to save yourself? You could try going to church, trying to be a good person, sharing, helping, loving, and all those. But none of those things will, will pay the penalty for our sin. Romans chapter 6, of course, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. It's not doing good works. It's not giving your money to the world. It's not uh, helping people the best that you know how. The wages of sin is death. And that word death means separation from God. It's not just keeling down. The breath goes out of your body. The body rots. And that's it. The wages of sin is death. Death meaning separation from God. Eternal separation from God. Well, the Lord Jesus came and He died. Why did He die? He was the perfect, sinless Son of God. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He took our place upon the cross. He died in our place. He was buried the third day. He rose again. We've just celebrated that. And now He lives. And He says, Because I live, you shall live also. So if you have received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then John says this to you. If you say with your lips, if you say that you abide in Him, you ought also so to walk even as He walked. If you say, I love Him, if you say Jesus is my Savior, then your life is to reflect His life. You are to order your manner of behavior, that's your lifestyle, as the Lord Jesus ordered His lifestyle. And His lifestyle was to glorify the Father, reveal the Father, so that people could see Him, know who He is, know what He has done, believe in Him and receive Him. So that's what the Lord Jesus came to do. So if we know Him as our Savior, then our lives are to reflect His life. And this comes back to this, uh, what what the Lord Jesus was here for, to re reflect, the, reflect the, the Father to us. Now, when we look at Jesus, we see the Father. But who has seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Certainly not in the flesh. But I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus in His people. And I could tell you some stories about the Indians where I've seen the Lord Jesus being reflected out of their lives. Well, in the same passage there about Jesus being the only way, uh, Jesus told His disciples, He said, I'm going away. 
And you know where I'm going. You know the way. And, and the disciples said, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. And then Philip said, Lord, just show us God. Show us the Father. And if we can see Him, we will be satisfied. And then Jesus said to Philip, Philip, have I been so long with you that you've not seen the Father? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Now, Jesus lives in me. If you say you abide in Him, if you have received Him, Jesus lives in you. He lives in you. Now, my question is, why are you here this morning? What are you doing here? Perhaps you thought you were coming to hear a message to have Brother Brad open the Word and teach you and feed you from His Word. You're probably missing that. A good teacher. Why are you here? I don't mean particularly why are you sitting in the seat that you're sitting sitting in or in the building that you're in, but why are you here upon this earth? And you know, the Lord Jesus indwells us. He's left us here to be that witness that would reflect Him to people all around us. In John chapter 4, as the Lord Jesus was going with His teachers, He came to Samaria. You know, the Jews had problems with the Samaritans. And they would go out of their way to avoid the Samaritans and their, and their villages. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. There was a woman there that He needed to talk to. And so He went into Samaria. He sat down on the well, tired and weary, as his disciples were going off to get nourishment for him. The woman came with her pot, and Jesus engaged her in conversation. And you know that story. She had been with many men. The man that she was with was not her husband. Jesus told her all of this. And she was amazed that Jesus knew all of this. And she went to tell her people about this man and had told her about her life, everything about her life. And before she came back, many of the people that heard her received the Lord. They believed on Jesus because of her testimony. And she said, come, see this man. And they were on their way back. But before they got back, the disciples came with food for Jesus and said, here's food for you. Now look at John chapter 4 and verse 34. Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. God's will, God's work, God's way. My meat, that which satisfies me, that which encourages me, that which fulfills me, that which is my joy, which is my motivation, which is my all, that which impacts me is to do the will of Him that sent me. Jesus is talking about service here. He didn't say, I'm here to do the will of the Father. Now, the Father and Him that sent Him is the same person, but He didn't express it that way. He said, I'm, my, I'm, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. He's emphasizing, stressing service. What is the will of God? Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 38. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. 
and I will raise him up at the last day. This is the will of God, that everyone that sees the Son, how do they do that? How does anybody see the Son? How do these Indians down in the jungle see the Son, the Son of God? He that seeth the Son and believeth, I will raise up. He'll have everlasting life. I'll save his soul. It's the will of God that not one perish, but that all come to a saving knowledge of God. But how do people come to know about the Lord Jesus? I ask, what are you doing here? You are here because God has left you here to be that witness for Him. The psalmist said, quoting God, speaking for God, God said, I am God. There is none other like me. I am the Lord, the Creator of all. I am God. I do what I want to do. I cannot say that. There's things I want to do that I'm not able to do. But God can say, I do what I want to do. God could save the whole wide world by revealing Himself to them outright. He could, but that's not what He's chosen to do. The will of God. This is the will of God, Jesus said. That they which see the Son and believeth shall have everlasting life. God has chosen to leave you here. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, you are ready for heaven. Your sins have been forgiven. Your life has been changed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You're ready for heaven. Ephesians chapter 2 says, We are seated in the heavenlies. As far as God is concerned, it's already happened. God knows the end from the beginning. And He sees us already seated, seated in the heavenlies. But God has chosen to leave you so that others can see you in your everyday movement, whether it's in class or whether it's in the office, whether it's out in the community, as you move through the day in a restaurant, out on the sports field, driving your car, what, wherever, as you go through your daily life, that they can see you. And when they see you, and if you are abiding in Him, and you are living your lifestyle as He lived His lifestyle, then you are reflecting Jesus Christ to them and they are seeing Him in you. This is what I said about those Indians. When I taught them the Word of God, it, it, it meant nothing to them. It went over their head. But when they began to see the love of God being worked out in the lives of those trios that were with me and in my life, what they saw and what they heard brought them to the point of belief. And they receive Christ as their Savior, and it's the will of God that none perish, and many, many of those people receive Christ as their Savior. John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the name of God. We need help in Suriname. We need people that we need, we're asking the Lord of the Harvest to send us two couples to come down and help us in the training of the leaders of the church. But I'm not going to say who will raise their hand, who will be a volunteer and come down. Who will volunteer to come and live in the jungles with us? 
I'm not looking for volunteers. I've had people volunteer. I've had people come up and say, Boy, I'm, I, I want to go to the jungle. That looks exciting to me. You know, whitewater rafting, going through the jungles, Indians, eating exotic things. Oh, yeah, yeah. And some people have come down and they've slipped away and uh, that got old real quick. I'm not looking for volunteers. And God is not looking for volunteers. He's not sitting back wondering, oh, oh, what's going to happen? What if nobody volunteers to come? What's going to happen to my plan? He's not waiting on volunteers. You did not choose Him. He's chosen you. And He has enabled you. He has equipped you. He has given you what you need to do what He would have you to do. He has made it possible for you to be that reflector so that others can see Him living in you. You don't sit back and look at the ministry of the church and say, what, what do I think I'd like to be involved in? Here's all these opportunities. Well, I, you know, maybe I'd like to work with the children. I'll volunteer to do that. Or I'll volunteer to go over and help with this project or that. No. You don't sit back and, and choose. You've been chosen. You look in the book of Acts. Chapter 13, the, the church leaders were gathered together praying. And as they prayed, the Holy Spirit said, Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas. Saul and Barnabas, sorry, Saul and Barnabas, later to become Paul. For the work which I have chosen for them to be involved in. And so they laid their hands on him, they prayed for him, and they sent him out. In other passages there in Acts, it says that the church chose out from amongst them those that were going to be sent out. They didn't wait for volunteers. God has equipped you, and God has enabled you, and He wants to thrust you out into His harvest field. The question we need to ask is what part of the harvest field does God has God chosen me to serve Him in? Not all will go to the jungles of Suriname. Not all will leave the shores of the U.S. Remember Acts 1.8, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Some of us serve in Jerusalem. Some of us serve in Judea. Some of us serve in Samaria. And some of us go to the ends of the earth. The harvest, the Lord of the harvest makes that choice and He sends His people where He wills. What you need to ask God is, where would you have me to serve you? Where do you have me in your plan? What part of the harvest field do I serve you in? And then find that place and get in line with God and with what God is doing. The will of God is that there none perish. The will of God is that His people reflect Christ to others so that they can see the Son, and in seeing the Son, believe they'll have everlasting life. That's God's will. God's work, back in, in John chapter 4, Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. God's work is to place faith in our hearts. God is the one that gives us the faith to believe. God is the one that implants faith in our hearts that we can trust Him. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. 
You put your name in that place. If Roy calls upon the name of the Lord, Roy will be saved, whosoever. But how shall they call upon him in whom they've not believed? These Indians never believed in Jesus. How shall they call upon him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in whom, him whom they've not heard? They've never heard his name. They've never heard about him. There's people today wandering through the jungles there in, in Brazil and Suriname and other places that have never heard the name of Jesus. How shall they call upon him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a proclaimer, a preacher, somebody to proclaim the good news of the gospel? Somebody has to tell them. And that somebody are those who say with their lips they abide in him. They need to walk even as he walked. Walk in a way so that they can see him in them. And how shall they proclaim except they be sent? They need to be sent out by the church. So God has given you and I that opportunity and that purpose to be used of him that as we proclaim that good news of the gospel, God puts that faith in their hearts. This is the work of God. And Jesus came to finish that. He died upon the cross so that God can forgive us of our sin. And now because He has died and our sins can be forgiven, God is free to place that gift of faith into our hearts. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, not even that faith. That faith is the gift of God. And God is liberal in giving that gift of faith. He gives us faith so that we can trust Him. He gives us faith so that we can say yes. He gives us faith so that we can boldly dare to step out in places that we may uh, in ourselves never choose to, to step out. It's of God. God's word work is putting that faith into our hearts. There's God's will. That's that none perish. God's work is placing that faith in our hearts. God's way, he tells us here in John chapter 4, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look, for the harvest is white already unto harvest. And then he goes on to talk about the sower and the reaper. The harvest was not ripe. Jesus was there. He could see the fields. The fields were green. I drive through North Carolina and I'm seeing green fields all over the place. Green, green, green. It's coming up. It's green. It's not ready for harvest. But he wasn't talking about that harvest. He saw the woman, the Samaritan woman, on her way back. She was coming. And coming with her were her friends and her relatives and her people, the Samaritan people that had heard her testimony. And now they were coming to hear the words of the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus saw them coming, He saw the whiteness of their robes, turbans if they had on turbans or caps or whatever. But He saw the white robes coming and He said, Look! Look! The harvest is ripe today. There are people all around us today waiting to hear the good news of the Gospel. Don't say, as yet four months. Don't say, when I finish my schooling, then I'll make myself available to the Lord. Don't say, when I get to a certain level in my business, then I'll start being that witness for the Lord. Don't say, when uh, this thing happens in my life, or when that thing happens in my life, then I'm going to be used of the Lord in that harvest. Don't say the harvest is yet four months away. 
It's white already unto harvest. They're all around us. And how does God do that? He says, one sows and one reaps. What is that? This is God's way. God's way is people telling people the good news of the gospel. God's will is that none perish. God's work is planting that faith in our hearts that we can believe and receive. God's way is using people. That's you and that's me. What a privilege God has given to you and to me to be used of Him in taking this good news of the gospel to people all around us. I was a Coca-Cola man in Tampa, Florida, just driving a Coke truck, slinging cases. You know, that you don't have to be a rocket scientist to drive a Coca-Cola truck. You don't have to reach some intellectual level before you are enabled or equipped to do a certain work for the Lord. I said that once in a church in Alabama about being a Coca-Cola man and you don't have to be a rocket scientist. A guy came up to me after the service and he said, you know, I was a Coca-Cola man too. Great. And we're talking about Coke and the 16-ounce bottles and this and that and the other thing. And he said, now I'm a rocket scientist, he said. He worked for NASA down there. And, <laughs> okay, well, that's you, but that's not me. I'm just a Coca-Cola man. And, you know, when I think, just a Coca-Cola man, just me, don't have great intellect, great uh, skills, any of these things, God said, I choose you. And God chooses you. And He chooses you. And He chooses you. And you, God has chosen us to be that instrument that's going to reflect the Lord Jesus to others so that they can see Him, they can believe Him, and He can save them. Question, are we available to Him? Or are we choosing how we're going to serve Him? I want to encourage you just to make yourself available to Him. Lord, where would you have me to serve you right now? How can you use me? And as we are available to Him, the Lord will use us to impact the lives of people around us. And whether it's here or in the jungles of Suriname, the Lord is going to be glorified as people come to know Him and receive Him as their personal Savior. Together, we do what we cannot do by ourselves. And that's be the church, be the people that God would have us to be. So let's purpose in our hearts that we're going to walk out of here and we're going to make ourselves available to Him and we're going to be the people that He has equipped us to be so that He receives glory and the church is built. Let's pray. Would you take just a moment to consider in your heart what God is saying to you through His Word? What is, is His will? And how is that to be operated through you? His work. You can depend on Him doing His work in planting faith in your heart to believe Him, to trust Him, to dare in boldness to step out and be that person and God's way is using people. You are people. God has chosen to use you. Are you available to Him? Offer yourself to Him.
and watch Him use you for His glory. Father, we thank You for loving us. We thank You for sending Your Son, the Lord Jesus, to die in our place. Thank You for sending somebody to tell us about Him. We know who He is and what He's done for us. Help us now to be faithful, Lord, and being available to You for what You would choose, for how You would choose to use us in taking the good news of the Gospel across the street or around the world. Thank You for allowing us to be a part of that. And I thank You for Grace Community Church and the people that make this church and what You are doing in them and through them. And we pray that what You have begun, You will continue for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our Father will thank You and praise You for all that You see fit to do because we've asked it in Jesus' name. Amen.